The scripture reading today is from Hebrews 8, 6 through 13. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent as the old, as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. For it for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. One day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God. And they shall be my people, and they shall not teach each one his neighbor, and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, for the least of them to the greatest." For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Corbin. That was wonderful. I just loved it. And I loved that game earlier. Well, hey, again, it's so great to see all of you this morning. And I just want to repeat uh, something that was said earlier. In fact, all the kids, would you just stand for a minute? All the children that are here, we're really glad. Yeah, just go ahead and stand up. And kids, what is today? That's right, it's Reformation Sunday. You can be seated. So what was the Reformation? The Reformation, on this date in 1517, a man by the name of Martin Luther posted his 95 Theses, 95 statements on the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And that ignited a spiritual revolution that swept through Europe and through the hearts of people. And that's why we celebrate that today. So here's the question to think about. What is it that Martin Luther discovered that motivated him to do that? What was it that changed his heart, changed people, and swept through Europe? I'd like you to think about that because we're gonna talk in the sermon about what Martin Luther discovered. Now to set that up, because we're gonna talk about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, I wanna invite Tara Fussell and her four children to make their way to the stage. So come on up, you guys, because this is gonna help illustrate, the story of this family is going to help illustrate what we are talking about this morning in the message of the Old and the New Covenant. Why don't you guys come here? You can stand right in the middle of the stage. You gotta stand here so that the people on the, who are watching online can, can, uh, can see you here. So this is Tara, this is our friend Tara. And uh, let's see, would you guys like to tell us your name? I'm Jackson Fussell. Jackson and? Juliet. Juliet. Jade Fussell. Jade Fussell. Jet. And of course, this is Tara. Now, the one that's not here is their dad, James Fussell. James Fussell is a big, muscular guy, very similar to me. And James is actually a, he's a fireman, so he's out driving a fire truck today. He is prepared to 
rescue people if he needs to, and he's a wonderful guy. In fact, he might watch this a little bit later. Why don't you kids wave to your dad right now in case he gets to watch that. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> Tara, this is for you. So I want to ask a couple of questions of Tara because I think that the story of this family is such a beautiful illustration of the gospel and a beautiful illustration of the new covenant. So Tara, could you just take, take a minute and tell us what was the situation of these kids when you, when you found them and when you went to get them? What was, what was their situation in their sort of their former home? So our three younger children were uh, adopted from China, each from a different uh, province in China. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> um, and, okay, you hear me? So um, they all had some physical special needs um, that they were living with in China. And so, um, you know, they were actually, some of them, very, very sick and, and not in necessarily the, the best uh, of care or didn't, were able to get the best of health care because of their situation. Um, so some of them were living with a foster parent, but at, at one point they were all living in a large orphanage. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, and then, uh, so they were in this situation, the medical care was an issue, being in foster care or an orphanage, and you, went, you and James went over there, uh, and of course you already had good old Jackson with you, right? Yes. And uh, so you guys went over there to, to, uh, to bring these kids over here to provide a new home for them. So here's a question for you, Tara. What motivated you to do that? Um, well, that story is probably too long for here, but I will say that it was something that we discussed even prior to getting married. So it was something that I really felt like God laid on my heart and, um, and, and James's heart as well. So when we were blessed with a um, very healthy, lovely baby boy and wanted to expand our family, we thought that you know, this was the way that God was leading us to a child that really needed us. Um, you know, a, Oh, sorry. okay. Um, you know, and so adoption is really born out of loss and tragedy, but it has this beautiful other part of it of um, acceptance and love and redemption. And so we were able to see that in each one of our children's lives. Um, and you know, I always tell people that I was fortunate enough to grow up in the church and I heard the gospel story but I never really understood it in the way that I understand it now and, and through our adoption stories of our children. Um, our children had, you know, many needs. You know, the first of, the, of that they needed a family, uh, but they had many physical needs. They had brokenness. And, you know, in my life, I was much more broken in different ways than they were, and I needed an eternal family, I needed a father. And so it's just this daily reminder to me of what God has done for me and able to, in the way that we've been able to experience this with our children. Okay, so I want you guys to think about this for a second because this is such a picture of the gospel. Number one, it's a picture of the gospel because in the same way that James and Tara and Jackson went all the way over to pick these kids up. They were motivated by love. And that is what Christ did when he came down from heaven. 
Secondly, it's, a, it's such a picture of the gospel because the Bible teaches that because of Christ, those who believe in Christ have been adopted into his family and have a new family. And a family of love, a family where your needs are met, and a family where you're secure. And so really, you guys are such a picture of the good news that we've all heard. And then, and then finally, one other way this illustrates the gospel is it illustrates the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. They were cared for when they were in their, in their former place. They had provision, but there were a lot of things that were missing that were not complete for them. And so because of their being a part of this new family, it's almost like their former situation was like the old covenant. What they have now is the new covenant. And we're gonna take a little bit more time to explain that over the next few minutes. But can we give these guys a good hand? Thank you. Can you clip it back in there? So that was part of the sermon, you guys. So we've already started the sermon. But we're gonna talk about this passage that was so well read a little bit earlier. And we want to explain this passage to you because as you were listening to this passage, you might have thought, hey, what is this really talking about and how does this affect my life? Now, I love that because this is a fifth Sunday that we have the children here and I'm never gonna, I'll never forget the time that I walked out after a fifth Sunday one week and Addison Michelson greeted me and she had, she had remembered the three points of my sermon. So I've got a challenge to you children. You've got a children's bulletin. I want you, after the service, to be sure to tell your parents the three points of the sermon. Your parents may nod off during this sermon. Anything can happen. But they're gonna need you to be able to give them the three points of this sermon. Now there's a word in here that I want us to love and appreciate and understand. It's the word covenant. I said earlier, that a covenant is a relationship based upon a promise. It is a relationship based upon a promise. Now, in this passage, one of the things you see is it creates this contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant. What was the promise in the old covenant? Well, the old covenant was given in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 20, in the form of the Ten Commandments. That covenant was given to God's people when they were rescued from Egypt. And part of that covenant was the people promised to obey the words of the law, the words of God's law. But the only problem with that covenant is that the people broke their promise. And it was for that reason that God brought along, God gave us a new covenant, a new covenant where God makes the promise and keeps it. So in the old covenant, we make the promise and we fail, but in the new covenant, God makes the promise and he keeps it. Now I want you to notice what verse six says. If you look back in your bulletin, check out verse six, it says, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old covenant as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. And then it goes on in verse eight, it says, for he finds fault with them when he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, verse nine, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. That was back in the days of, of uh, Exodus. On the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, so I showed no concern for them 
declares the Lord. So that was the old covenant. And then in verse 10 it says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days I will put my laws into their minds. And so this new covenant is built upon better promises. Remember a covenant is a relationship with God based upon a promise. What we're gonna do right now, and here's the outline, is we're gonna talk about the three great promises of the new covenant, the three promises of the new covenant. And I want you to listen to this, thinking about what was it that Martin Luther discovered on that first Reformation day in October 31st, 1517. I want you to think about your adoption in Christ and your new situation and how these promises of the new covenant apply to you. So there are three promises we're gonna look at. Number one, the promise of a new heart, the promise of a new heart. So look carefully again at verse 10 and what it says about this promise. It's gonna be a better promise, a better covenant. It says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What is the better promise of the new covenant? Well, the old covenant was based upon externals, based upon obedience, but the new covenant is the promise of a new heart that God would come in and change their hearts. Do you guys know when the first heart transplant ever was performed? It was decades ago, it was performed in South Africa by Dr. Christian Bernard in South Africa. This was a literal heart transplant where they could go into and take a bad heart and remove it and put a new heart and a better heart into it. With one of his patients, Dr. Bernard, after he got his new heart, he asked his patient, he said, would you like to see your old heart? And his old heart was in a jar. And that patient went back and Dr. Bernard showed him, he says, this was your old heart. And the, the patient looked at that heart and he said, so that's the heart that gave me all that trouble. And see, you and I are a lot like that because we were born affected by the fall, and so we had a heart that was fallen. We had a heart that gave us all that trouble. So one of the promises of the new covenant is that God has given us a heart transplant. He has given us a new heart. The old covenant listed their duties, but it did not change their desires. The new covenant, the law, is written on the heart, and we have new desires and new power. I wanna ask you guys a question. Those of you that have put your faith in Christ, you've become a Christian, have you noticed that God has given you a new heart? Have you noticed new desires in your heart? The story is told of a man who became a Christian and somebody, a friend came up to him and said, said, how are you doing in your Christian life? And he says, I'm not doing that well, it's really hard. And the guy says, why is that? He says, before I accepted Christ into my heart, I only had one dog. That dog wanted to do one thing. And the guy said, well, what's the problem with that? He says, now I have two dogs. I have two dogs. I've got my old nature and I've got my new heart. And, the, and, and so what's the problem with that? And he said, the two dogs fight. And I wonder if with you guys, if you've noticed since you have put your faith in Christ, since God has given you a new heart, 
Have you noticed that you have new desires to obey God? That is one of the evidences that you're a true believer in Christ. There is a part of your heart that wants to go God's way. Now there's another part of your heart that doesn't want to go God's way. So the guy asked the fellow with the, about the two dogs, he said, which dog wins? And he says, whichever one I say sick him to, but it's also whichever one I feed. And so the challenge of this passage is to recognize that the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and to feed that heart. Have you ever heard of a man by the name of John Newton? John Newton was a slave trader in the 1700s in England. And John Newton became a Christian and he got a new heart. As a slave trader, he had an awful record of ugly, ugly, horrible things that he had done. But God gave him a new heart at salvation and John Newton went on to write one of the most famous hymns of all history called Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You see, in the new covenant, we are no longer blind. We can see who Christ is. In the new covenant, we have a new heart, and it is due to amazing grace. And John Newton uh, had this one quote. It's actually in your bulletin. I want to read it to you because it illustrates this first promise of the new covenant. John Newton wrote these words. He said, our pleasure and our duty, though opposite before, since we have seen his beauty, are joined to part no more. As you nurture your, your new heart, as you grow in your faith, what's gonna happen is that your pleasure is gonna merge with your duty. The duty is in the word of God. The duty is in the law of God. But Christ has given you a new heart that wants to obey him. And John Newton, the former slave trader, listen again to what he said. Our pleasure and our duty, though opposite before, since we have seen his beauty, are joined to part no more. That is an amazing, amazing thing. What we want to do at Lake Baldwin Church is nurture in each one of us that part of our heart, that new covenant heart that we had from God. There's a second promise that we see in this passage. Remember we're talking about the better promises of the new covenant. Here's the second one. It is the promise of a new relationship. First, a new heart, but the second one is the promise of a new relationship. Look at verse 11 of Hebrews 8. It says, and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Do you see in this passage the new relationship that we all have because of the new covenant? You know, it's interesting, this whole idea about knowing God. I think of uh, those uh, those fussel kids that were up here on stage, one of the most incredible things about their being adopted into that new family is that they have a new relationship. They have a dad, James Fussell, who will always love them, whose love will never change, and they have a relationship with him. They have access to him. They have a dad who wants to talk with them, who wants to be with them, who accepts them, who wants to help them to grow. They have got this relationship with this big dad of theirs who loves them with all his heart. They have a new 
relationships. So we talked earlier about the Reformation. What was it about the Reformation that was so powerful? Well, what had happened to gospel Christianity over the centuries is that in medieval Christianity, the gospel was all covered over by works righteousness. And not only that, people were not able to have a direct relationship with God. They had to go through a human priest in order to know God. And Martin Luther came along and said, no, there is one mediator and that is Jesus Christ. You do not need a human mediator. You can have a direct relationship with God. Remember this promise is, they shall all know me. Not only that, back in the Reformation or prior to the Reformation, the average people did, were not able to read the Bible. The, it was all above them and only the religious clerics could read the precious things that are in the Bible. So what Martin Luther did was he translated the Bible from the Hebrew and the Greek into the language of the common person. There was all this Bible translation. There was one translator by the name of Wycliffe in England and he translated the Bible into English for the first time and people criticized him because they said the jewel of the clergy has become the toy of the laity. Do you realize how precious it is that you have a direct relationship with God and that you have a Bible that you can read? The other day, Molly and I had dinner with some uh, friends of ours in our church, and what they told us about hey, that, how they decided in 2021 to read through the Bible in a year. And what a great idea, because it's so life-changing to have a goal to read through the Bible and to learn the Bible and to build our relationship with God. I wanna encourage you, I wanna encourage you in this area because all of you, because you're a believer in Christ, you have the new covenant, you have a new relationship with God. So let me challenge you to take the time to get to know God better, to spend time every morning, if only a few minutes, reading his word. When you go out to the welcome table, there's a booklet there that's called our Grow Booklet, and there's a page in there about how to spend time cultivating your relationship with God, having a quiet time, being alone with the Lord. We would really encourage you to do that because that's a promise of the new covenant. So first of all, the first promise is a new heart. The second promise is a new relationship. It says they shall all know me. And then the third thing is the promise of a new record, the promise of a new record. Now what do I mean by a new record? I've heard earlier to John Newton, he was a slave trader. Because of his sin of being a slave trader, he had this record in heaven. He had this record in the sight of God. And as I look back over my life, I, I have a record, I have a record of all the times that I have violated the commandments of God. All of us, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we have a record. But the new covenant gives us a new record. It wipes out all of our old record and it gives us a new record. So look at what it says in verse 12 of Hebrews 8. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. That is an amazing thing. Do you guys know what is the greatest need of our time right now? The greatest need in our country, the greatest need in our world, the greatest need in our culture is for forgiveness, it is for forgiveness. And what this passage teaches is that our bad deeds have been canceled. We have been forgiven by God 
because of the new covenant. Let me ask you this question. What is the, what is the latest religion in America? What is the newest religion in our country? I'll tell you what I believe the newest religion is. It is called the cancel culture. The cancel culture. What happens in the cancel culture is all judgment without forgiveness. And there are people being canceled because of their record, because of things they've said and the things that they've done. And, it's, and they're being canceled for their wrong things, but there is not a hope of forgiveness. It is a religion, but it is an old, the, the, the cancel culture is an old covenant religion of our inability to always do the right thing. And the new covenant offers what the cancel culture does not and that is that it offers us forgiveness. Now let me explain why that is. God, God is totally aware of everything we've done. He doesn't need for somebody to pull out all of our old emails. He doesn't need for us to be exposed. God knows everything that we have done. But for the person who's a believer in Christ, the Bible teaches that at the cross of Jesus Christ, God did not cancel you. God did not cancel me. In fact, in Colossians, it says that what he did was he canceled our debt. He canceled our debt. He canceled our bad record, and he remembers it against us no more. That is just an amazing thing, that Christ died as our substitute, and your debts and my debts were canceled, and now we have forgiveness. You guys, do not let Modern, secular religions like the cancel culture become for you a repeat of the old covenant because the new covenant is so much better. There was a contemporary of John Newton by the name of William Cowper, and he had an amazing statement. This is also quoted in your bulletin. William Cowper said these words. He said, to, to see the law by Christ fulfilled. Now, what does he mean by that? Whereas the people of Israel in the Old Covenant could not keep their promises to obey the law, neither can we, but the Bible teaches that Christ, as our representative, perfectly kept the law in his place. That's why our debts could be canceled and we could be, we could be given his righteousness. It is a beautiful thing and it is the meaning of Reformation Sunday. To see the law by Christ fulfilled and hear his pardoning voice Hear his pardoning voice. I love what Sarah did for the kids with that game because she, they had that question in there. What comes after the confession? It is the gospel assurance. That is when you heal, hear his pardoning voice. That is when you're reminded that your debts to God, even the ones this past week, have been canceled and there's no other basis for that other than the cross of Christ. To see the law by Christ fulfilled and to hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and it changes duty into choice. It changes duty into choice. Do you see the power of the new covenant to put us on a totally different operating system, a totally different approach to God that is so different from the old covenant, so different from medieval all those medieval things that Martin Luther dealt with, so different from man-made religion around the world. The gospel is unique, and the new covenant is unique. So how does this apply 
to us. We've talked about our new heart. We've talked about a new relationship. We've talked about a new record. These are the better promises, you guys. These are the better promises of the new covenant. So how does this apply to us? I don't know when was the last time you tried to put money into a Coke machine in hopes that you would get a Coke. But maybe sometime in your life you can remember a time when you put the money in but the nickels and the, and the coins did not drop all the way down and you didn't get your coat. What did you do? You bang the coat machine because you want that nickel to drop. Well, uh, Tim Keller talks about that. He says that all of us as believers need for someone in our life, in our life to continue to preach the gospel to our hearts, in effect, to, to, to pound that Coke machine so that the nickel drops in our life. Just this morning, I was talking to somebody in our church, and I love what he told me. He talked about how over the last several years in his life, how his appreciation for what we might call Reformation theology, the theology that Martin Luther discovered, the gospel, the new covenant, how much it has grown in his life, and it is like the nickel has dropped and the lights have come on, and we always need that. And the reason you and I continue to need that reminder is that I know that in my heart, my, de my default is old covenant living. My default is works righteousness. My default is defending my record rather than believing in the record Christ has given me. My default is to try to earn acceptance with God and other people by my performance. All of that is old covenant living. And so every week when we gather for worship, I need to be reminded of the gospel. I need that gospel assurance that we have and that we've talked about in our worship service. And part of this gospel, you think about those fussel kids that were up here, I wanna tell you something about those kids because there's nothing they can do to make them love their parents more or their parents to love them more. And there's nothing they can do to decrease the love that their parents have for them. That is the beauty, that is the beauty of the gospel. And I would ask you this question, what is the secret sauce? What is really the secret sauce of Lake Baldwin Church? It's not the music, it's not the pastor, it's not our great community, it's not Splash, although that's really close. What is the secret sauce of Lake Baldwin Church? It is the one thing that changes our hearts, that gives us a new record, and that helps us to have a new relationship, and it is this Gospel. It is this gospel of justification by faith that Martin Luther discovered. That is why we celebrate the Reformation and what happened there, this gospel, this new covenant. Let's celebrate that today. Would you pray with me? Lord, what an amazing, almost, well, amazing grace. It's amazing grace that John Newton discovered that we have talked about today, that is what truly um, empowers us to have changed lives, that empowers us as a church, even in our global missions we've talked about, our community and in all that we do. Would you, Lord, bring the kind of revival to our hearts that comes from believing this good news and living in light of the new covenant? And we pray these things together in Jesus' name, amen.